Hey everybody, it is Bethany with Chatting Over Chowder, and this is the last month that Sherline and I are on hiatus. And we will be coming back on August 3rd, and we cannot wait to talk about all of the new episodes that we will be bringing to you for season two and introducing you to all of the phenomenal women that we have interviewed thus far. So today, we are actually featuring the ep- an episode by Sandra Dunbar of Be Well Sis podcast. We had the phenomenal opportunity to interview Cassandra Dunbar in one of our earliest episodes, and she is just a beacon of light and hope and transparency, and she is an advocate for mental health and wellness. And if you are not aware, July is actually the month for mental health awareness. So there is no other way that we could start off this month than without featuring Be Well Sis podcast hosted by Cassandra Dunbar. So take a listen. I hope you get all of the gems that I get every time not only I listen to this podcast, but every time I engage and speak with Cassandra. So if you haven't had an opportunity, go listen to the episode where we interviewed Cassandra and then subscribe and follow to her podcast, Be Well Sis Podcast. Thank you so much and I hope you are having an amazing day. often black women are a mere afterthought in conversations around wellness but not in this space on this podcast the dialogue is always centered around women like you welcome to the podcast but more importantly welcome to the tribe be well sis hello 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 and welcome back to the be well sis podcast i am your host cassandra dunbar i truly hope you're well and i really appreciate you joining me today um and I hope that you've been able to find some rest in the past few days, um, rest physically, rest emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. I feel like we, as a whole, as a culture, we really don't respect rest and we don't really incorporate it properly into our lives. But rest is so incredibly important. If you're going to be impactful in whatever you're doing, you need to have a clear mind and a well-rested body. So I hope you've been able to find some rest. And if you haven't, it's okay. There's tonight. Um, go ahead and push that bedtime up a little bit sooner and um, truly give yourself um, rest. Rest shouldn't be a luxury. It's a necessity of life. Anyway, I'm not sure I'm going off on this rant, but I hope you're well rested. <laughs> um, so this past weekend was Father's Day. So Father's Day is, it's a bit complicated for me now. Well, maybe not anymore. Um, it wasn't before. It was not complicated at all. I hated Father's Day. And honestly, it's because I never had a father. We never had a relationship. Um, to be honest, I met him when I was about 15 years old. And... When I met him, we had like a on and off relationship, uh, a strained relationship, will you? Um, and then that involves into a non-existent relationship um, now. And I'll tell you why. I actually had to put a hard stop to that because when I became a parent, it just clicked for me that once you abandon a child, you're effectively leaving them to die, whether or not that is your intention. 
So I'll never forget how I came to that realization. I was a few hours postpartum. My firstborn was in the bassinet sleeping and my hubby was on the small pullout couch in the hospital room with me. And even though I was absolutely exhausted, I couldn't help but just keep staring at my baby. To be honest, I probably got about like two hours of sleep in the first 48 hours of his life because I was just so in awe and just so in love with him. So anyways, as I'm staring at this little tiny human, it made me realize that he completely depended on me and my husband to take care of him. He literally couldn't do anything for himself. It's like a little potato wrapped in blankets, right? And the thought made me so nervous. All I could do was just pray. And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I asked God to please make me a a parent equipped and fit to to give him what he needs and to, to care for him properly. And after a while, while I was praying, I started to get upset. Um, my anxieties around being a, a, a good parent to him had subsided, but then I got angry. I got angry because I'm thinking, how can you abandon someone that you helped to create? So from then on, I decided that, you know what? We didn't need to force ourselves into this like relationship. I was so done pretending I was over it. And I was like, you know what? We don't need to have a relationship anymore because it's not serving either of us. It wasn't until my husband's first Father's Day that I started to reconcile my feelings around Father's Day. It was no longer a time for me to be angry or resentful of my father's shortcomings or jealous of my peers with, you know, the good father-child relationships. It was time to celebrate the beautiful man that is my husband. Without sharing his own story, I won't get into that, he too didn't have his own father growing up. His dad instincts were activated as soon as I became pregnant, and he's been an amazing, loving, encouraging, and nurturing father to our children. And I mentioned this because for years, I really wasn't honest with myself or others about my less than ideal family circumstance, you know? Um, I didn't stand in the truth of that part of my reality. When you deny yourself something, you rob yourself of the ability to change it, and you really can't fully love yourself. You have to love the pretty and the not so pretty parts of your story because they're what make you, you, you know? So there's this quote on social media that says something like, you can take all the supplements, drink all the juices, do all the yoga, run all the miles. But if you don't do the work on your insides, you aren't well. And to me, part of that is accepting and loving yourself for who you are. So today's episode features the wonderfully talented, award-winning songwriter, speaker, inspirational writer, and mentor, Nikia Homer. We delve into self-love and what that really means. And part of that is accepting things that happen to you, where you come from, and things that you've done that you may not be proud of. There's an excerpt from her website that says, Just a girl from the projects who decided not to settle is a phrase Nikia uses to share her story. She believes that behind every dope woman is a story only she can tell. As a writer, speaker, mentor, and writing consultant, Nakia's story, her words, and her hustle has made her a great resource for women. Her music has found its way to the top of the Billboard charts, and her work as a victim's advocate has helped hundreds of women, children, and families find safe havens and stability. Based in Atlanta, Georgia, Nakia Homer has become a master of turning life's toughest lessons into blessings. She speaks and hosts inspiring conversations about goal setting, self-care, healing, women's empowerment, and storytelling. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. As always, you're in for a treat, so let's get it. Be well, sis.
Today, I have such a big treat for the audience. You guys, I have Nakia Homer on the show with us. She is amazing. I'm pretty sure you've seen her work on Instagram. Um, she's a coach. She's an author, a composer, songwriter, um, social worker, mom. What else am I missing? She does everything. <laughs> Don't forget, I'm a girl from the projects. <laughs> Just yes. started not to settle. <laughs> yes, that's yes. my that's my um, a tagline that I came up with a while ago, and it kind of stick stuck I don't use it as much but I I don't want to leave the hood out of me (laughs) and you know what I love about what I read about your story and even just in following you on Instagram is that you embrace all of you I feel like at least for myself there was one point where I was kind of like oh man I don't like that part of my story so let me not share it and you have been so open in sharing everything that you're from the hood, that you got out the hood and you know that your upbringing may have been a little bit rocky like a lot of ours has right so mm-hmm. if you can, can you please go ahead and share with the audience who you are and where you came from and to where you are now? Well, sure. Yes, I am um, an award-winning songwriter. I am a former social worker. Um, I've worked as a makeup artist. I have my own business for so many years, Makeup by Nakia, and I've had the opportunity to work with um, celebrities, news anchors, you name it. I've pretty much done it. Um, I've been a barista at Starbucks. I've done pretty much everything I wanted to do. Um, but my life did not start out that way. Of course, my life started in the projects with two teenage parents. My mother was 15. My dad was 16. And I was raised by my paternal grandmother, Sweet May, um, God rest her soul, who just passed away a month ago. She brought me home from the hospital and raised me along with my dad my uncle and my aunt in the projects for the first 17 years of my life. That's where I grew up. And um, when I share my story and talk to my clients or speak to at-risk youth or teens, and even when I work with those others who are in the field of human services and social workers, teaching them how to relate and connect with people who were once like I was, mm-hmm. um, it's really important to know that you don't have to wait until you are a full-grown adult to make life-altering decisions. Mm. At the age of 10 years old, um, there was some woman who came into my community to speak to us, uh, me and all the rest of us there in the hood, and she shared some statistics. And she talked about how if your mother was um, addicted to drugs, then you would be addicted to drugs more than likely. Mm. If your parents were alcoholics, you're more likely to become an alcoholic, smokers, alcoholics, et cetera. If your parents were teenage parents, then the likelihood of you becoming a teenage parent was great as well. And as she was sitting sharing those statistics, it just, it shook me up for one, because she was telling my life story, you know, everything that she said, if then was me. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is because even though she was saying it as truth and as statistics and based on research and study, it didn't really sit right with me. It didn't resonate. So Mm -hmm. at 10 years old, after hearing her, I made my first goal. Um, I set my first goal and that was to get out of the hood. My, my second goal was to not be a teenage parent. My third goal was to not be the product of an abusive relationship. And I kind of just went on with my life that way. I had no real plan mm-hmm. of execution. Education was a big part of it. Exposure was a big part of it. But all I knew is that I didn't want to be what everybody else thought that I would be. I didn't want to become a product of my environment. I didn't want to do the same things that everyone else did. 
And so that's pretty much how I set out to become the person that I am today. And when I shared the story you're talking about, you talked you know, briefly about how I don't leave out any of those parts of my life. If it were not for that upbringing, I wouldn't have made those decisions. Yeah. I'm not sure of who I would have become as a result of a different life, but I'm grateful um, that even though it was difficult, even though I had to endure childhood trauma, mm-hmm. um, it brought me to this place and I'm good where I'm at. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. it's just beautiful how at 10 years old, you are so, I'm not sure if it's intuitive, that's the word, but definitely your maturity level was something else. I'm thinking about myself at 10. I don't think I had it together to even like think past where I currently was. You know what I mean? So I think Mm -hmm. that's just beautiful and like speaks to who you are like then to make you into the woman that you are now. I mean, it sounds really poetic and it sounds really thought out now because I'm telling the story in hindsight. Mm -hmm. Um, But it wasn't that it wasn't that eloquent at all. I really just was like, not me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's it. not me not gonna do that not gonna go here and of course it wasn't a perfect journey I made some horrible mistakes and did some things mm-hmm. that could have absolutely derailed me mm-hmm. um, but it's also important to note that because of my upbringing with teenage parents growing up in the projects not raised by them mm-hmm. um, it it forced me to grow up a lot sooner than I probably would have mm-hmm. um, so yeah I will say that yeah and, and in speaking about embracing all of you and realizing that everything that you've gone through helped shape you now, have you always been like that or did it take some time to get to that space? It definitely took some time. So I always tell people, um, you know, one of the things that I've written, um, I can't remember my exact words right now, but you know, you've grown when you stop telling, when you start to tell the story differently. Mm. So the way I tell the story now is not the way I've always told the story. Mm. So being a product of teenage parents was not always something that I was happy about. Yeah. I had to go through a lot um, as a result of not being raised by my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, I was raised in the household with my father, but I felt rejected not being raised by my mother. Mm-hmm. And when I was young, and because she raised my sister, I have a younger sister um, who we shared the same mom. When I told the story back then, it wasn't as nice and as, like I said, as eloquent. You know, I didn't feel good. Yeah. And um, what happened was, as I grew older and I started to read a lot and I started to um, gain some insight as to what I wanted to do and who I wanted to become, what I had to do was kind of look at what was leading me there. Mm. And so what I saw was that all of that difficulty, all of those things that I didn't think were um, pretty about the story of my life were the things that led me to my successes, led me to the moments where I was proud of myself, led me to all of the goals that I set and the decisions that I made. And so it was when I look back on it in that way mm-hmm. that I started to see it differently. And it was only because people asked me. Mm-hmm. So they would say, share your story as a kid. Um, I was asked to share my story with other kids. Mm-hmm. As a teenager, I was asked to share. And so once you tell it, Especially when you tell it with a purpose, Um, Mm. telling your story with a purpose changes it. It changes the narratives. It changes the characters. It sets you in a different role because now you're the narrator and you find that you're the co-producer or the co-writer. It really just changes everything. Yeah, definitely. And it's... 
Hey, sis, enjoying the episode? If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please go ahead and give us a five-star rating along with a glowing review. And if you're not listening on Apple Podcasts, please take a screenshot of your screen while you're listening and share on your social media. Also, tag BeWellSis underscore podcast and two of your friends who you think will enjoy the show. I mean, they'll enjoy it. So go ahead, tag them. (laughs) Now let's get back to it. Yes, yes. About self-love. I feel that's like a real big buzzword these days. And I'm not sure if we all really know, like, what does it really mean to love yourself? Like, like what is love? In your opinion, I, I I don't know. I just I think that that's a loaded um, topic for mm-hmm. sure. Because when you think about self love, especially you think back ten years ago, five years ago, ten years ago, um, you think of standing in a mirror and repeating "I love myself" over and over again. Right. Right. You think about all of the stickies that um, being Mary Jane put all over her mirror. Yes. <laughs> um, I never watched the show, but I heard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, you think about affirmations and you think about words, but for me. Um, self-love I, I think I just wrote about it the other day it's it's it is what's included in self-love is self-awareness mm-hmm. self-acceptance self-accountability there's a whole bunch of selves involved in self-love and it's funny that you brought this topic up because um, I've been talking to to my clients over the years about self-love and my journey to accepting myself accepting in my story, of course, Mm -hmm. um, understanding the role that I played in it and how I was not just a victim, how I survived it. I Mm -hmm. think that's my quote. You know, you've grown when you stop telling, when you stop talking about your your pain Mm -hmm. and share the story of your survival. Mm -hmm. Um, And so once I start to see myself differently, then um, the journey to being self-aware and self-acceptance and self-accountability leads to ultimate self-love. And I don't say things without defining it Mm -hmm. um, because I'm a woman of words. It's really important. Mm -hmm. And so when you look up the definition of self-love, it says regards for one's own well-being and happiness, Mm -hmm. right? That's just one of the definitions. Regard for one's own well-being and happiness. And so I thought I was on this this brave journey of um, being... um, you know, aware of who I am and owning it, my well-being and my happiness. And then there was a quote um, not too long ago. I believe it was Dr. Tama who said, um, if you loved yourself, some of the things you've been deliberating over would be an easy choice. Ooh. Right? If you loved yourself, some of the things you've been deliberating would be an easy choice. And I realized, okay, I still have more self-love work to do. Mm-hmm. And so... If you were to ask me if I love myself, my answer is a confident yes. Mm-hmm. But I am growing into the other parts of self-love and the process of self-love, which is self-awareness, mm-hmm. self, um, and, 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 and self-accountability, mm-hmm. which I think that whole, okay, why are you questioning yourself so much? And why are you allowing so mm-hmm. many of these things into your life? And I think that's where the self-care Mm -hmm. Um, peace kind of comes in. And so to answer your question, my definition of self-love is the definition that's written in Webster or (laughs) dictionary.com. It is um, regard for your own well-being and happiness, Mm -hmm. but you won't get there unless you accept yourself as a whole being and then identify what makes you happy. 
So there's a lot of work that goes into self-love. It's not, I love you 11 times in the mirror. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And just to piggyback off of that, I feel like self-love is a journey. And I feel like, I don't know if any of us really gets to the end point, quote unquote, mm-hmm. ever. It's always constant work to be done. The self-accountability part is so hard, at least for me. That's mm-hmm. so hard to like, yeah. all right, you did this, you made a mistake. Why'd you do it? And hold yourself to it to not make mm-hmm. that same mistake again. That's, that's the tough mm-hmm. part for me. Um, yeah. And then being self-aware because what I found about myself is because of my childhood, mm-hmm. because of my backstory, there's a lot of me that um, is me because I had to be that, Yeah, you know, in order to survive what I've gone through, in order to live through some of the experiences that I've had, I had to be this version of myself that I probably would not have been naturally Yeah, um, if it were not for certain things. And so as you grow up and as you grow and heal from those things, then there are certain parts of you that are no longer needed. Mm-hmm. And that space is filled with a new version of you that you have yet to meet. Yeah. And so as I'm growing and healing and meeting different parts of me, um, accepting these different parts of me, trying to decide which parts I want to keep, which parts need to be left behind. Um, it is absolutely a process that probably will never end. Yeah, absolutely. And you touched mm-hmm. on it earlier, um, talking about self-care and how that pretty much is intertwined in a way with self-love. So I know that you're a mom and you mm-hmm. do all of these things professionally. How do you incorporate self-care into your daily routine? I'm very honest about the fact that self-care is something that I am not good at. <laughs> I have learned I have learned to self-sacrifice. My grandmother who just passed away gave her life for for me and for everyone around her. And that is what I saw um, as good womanhood. I saw her as a great woman. I saw her as a leader. I saw her as a survivor. And so that's what I did. And so I've done a lot of things at my own expense over the years. And so this journey through self-care is something that is, um, I'm evolving into. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I realized is that, um, Like I I just talked about how there are certain parts of me I had to become in order to survive. Mm -hmm. One of the things about being from the hood is that you are a really good observer of certain things. And because I grew up in a household where there were drug addicts, Mm -hmm. um, I'm really good at reading people. Mm -hmm. And so very early on, I set boundaries when it came to people. And I was very firm with it because I didn't want to waste my time. And (laughs) that was seen negatively by a lot of people. And I realized that the people who had a problem with my boundaries were the people who wanted to cross them. So the people who have a problem with our boundaries are usually the people who want to cross them because Mm -hmm. you doing what is good for you is not going to upset anyone who loves you, anyone who cares for you, anyone who wants the best for you. And what ended up happening is I started to be around people who were uncomfortable with my boundaries. And in my quest to become a better version of myself, I said, you know, maybe I'm too rigid when it comes to certain things. And maybe I'm too, too, I called myself too mouthy, too smart mouth. And through therapy, I realized that it was assertiveness Mm -hmm. (laughs) that people just couldn't understand because no one had held them accountable. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, um, as part of my self-care journey now, I'm learning to keep some of the parts of me that I needed to survive, to survive Mm -hmm. the second half of my life. Yes. Right. If I'm going, 
if I'm going to become this woman that I am meant to be and help the, the women that I am meant to help, um, I have to have boundaries. I mm-hmm. have to take care of self and I can't do things at my expense. Yeah. So to answer your question, when it comes to my children, what I've learned is that me being 100, me mm-hmm. being my best is the best gift that I could give them Yes. as a mother. When I'm upset, when I'm moody, when I'm rigid, when I'm anxious, when I'm worried, when I'm whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, they feed off that energy. Mm-hmm. That energy is in our home, it's in the atmosphere. And so doing things intentionally to take care of myself is something I had to do. So every morning when I wake up, I write my list of things to do. And in that list are some of my self-care practices. But um, for me, self-care looks a lot different than other people. A lot of it is self-accountability. I get my hair done. I get my nails done. I wear my lipstick. Mm-hmm. Um, I take my baths. That's not mm-hmm. an issue. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the things I have to do to be the best me. That mm-hmm. is where I'm at with self-care. Um, to define me as a woman every day. And it's, it's crazy because as we get older, we have to do just as much unlearning mm-hmm. as we did learning growing up. Because like I said before, um, who you were, you know, five years ago is not necessarily who you need to be now. Yeah. Um, depending on your lifestyle, depending on the growth and the healing that has taken place, depending on the people that have been introduced into your life, things change. Mm-hmm. And so does the versions of ourselves. And so does our self-care practice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, waking up between 3.50 and 4.30 was a part of my self-care practice mm-hmm. for years. And now I don't need to do that. But getting up before everyone else was so important to me. Mm-hmm. I needed that time where no one was looking at me, talking to me. Um, I was able to, I love to work out at 5 a.m. It's mm-hmm. my favorite time of the day to work out, like things like that. To understand about boundaries is we can't get mad at people for crossing boundaries we never set. Mm. So if you don't tell people what you need or what you want or how you need things to go, then mm-hmm. they're not going to know how to be around you. So sometimes it's not a matter of people imposing themselves or their will on you. Sometimes they just don't know. So that's one thing I would say. Um, and you can't go setting boundaries before you know who you are. Mm. You can't go setting boundaries until you know what you need. So always go within before you start looking on outside of you and the changes that need to be made on the outside. Um, so that's, that's number one. Start with self-awareness. Mm. Um, the second thing is, is, is being very aware of what you need um, and then making sure that the people in your life know about it. Mm-hmm. And you don't always need to make an announcement. Mm-hmm. I think people think that they have to send out a mass text saying, you know, <laughs> my name is Nakia and I've evolved. And <laughs> these are my boundaries for 2020. Um, if you want to set upset someone, start spouting those boundaries in that way. Um, you don't have to make an announcement. Just start being yourself and doing your thing. The example I gave is how... Um, in the morning, it's really important for me to get myself together early in the morning. And getting myself together encompasses a lot. Prayer, um, reading, listening to something good. Um, I don't like to talk a lot. I don't like the lights on. Um, I like to drink coffee or tea. It's a lot that goes into my morning routine. Mm-hmm. But I also don't like to bring anyone into my space before a certain time outside of my immediate family. Mm-hmm. And so I don't take phone calls between 
Um, at, at one point, I wasn't taking any calls before nine, but then I had a commute. So mm -hmm. I was talking to people before then. It, it was 11. It changes. Um, so the point of the story is I just stopped answering the phone. Mm. I didn't announce to people, don't call me. I didn't send out a text to say, I'm not answering the call. I didn't answer the phone and say, I'm not talking now. <laughs> I just stopped answering. Mm. And people in my life realized that they weren't getting me on the phone between certain hours. So they started calling me later. I did answer around lunchtime. I did answer um, before or after dinner. And so they just realized that that's when they were able to get in contact with me. So I taught them when to reach out. Yep. <laughs> no announcement was made. Um, same thing with friendships. If you want to have conversations with your friends, just start the conversations. I think we bring too many people in when it comes to us doing our personal work. Mm. So just be self-aware, um, understand what you need and what you want. Make sure the people who need to know, know, and then just do what you need to do. Like, just be you. Mm -hmm. um, keep growing and healing and doing your thing. And the uh, people around you will see it. They will understand it. And if they love you, they will love it. Oh, that, that's a word. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. so you mentioned your clients. So what type of work do you do um, currently? Do you still work with clients? I do. I do on a very um, restricted basis. So I, I'm a copywriter. I do so many things, beloved. I really do. Um, but I write for creative business owners. And so that is what I do a lot of the time. Um, in addition to that, I do offer group and one-on-one -on -one sessions. I call it power sessions. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is I offer the opportunity to work with me on very specific things like um, surviving childhood trauma, setting boundaries, self-awareness, self-care, and those things. And um, you can either have a, a call with me for 60 to 90 minutes, mm -hmm. or we do one month um, power sessions, three months or six months. And I like to do it that way mm -hmm. because this work isn't something you can do overnight. It's most certainly not something you can do in a conversation. Mm -hmm. And so the way I like to work is with clients in that way. And because I'm working with the same person, um, or the same group of people for that amount of time, mm -hmm. um, I'm really able to be laser focused on them and to really offer them as much attention as they need. Um, and I really appreciate the work. Um, I get this question all the time. Are you a therapist? And my answer is no, mm -hmm. I'm not a therapist because I didn't want to be um, prohibited from reading you when I needed to for telling you the truth about your life. If you want to talk to me, I'm going to give you advice. Do not come to me if you don't want me to tell you what to do. Because if I know, I'm going to tell you to do. And I get into all kinds of legal trouble doing that. <laughs> As a, although my therapist, I don't go to therapy often, but I have, have someone I talk to. Um, she really will tell me what to do. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so when I say clients, that's what I'm referring to. My, my clients who are in my power session. Okay. So are you taking clients now? Do you? Uh-huh. I am. Yeah. I, I, I make announcements when I do, because like I said, because it's a one month, three month and, and six months mm -hmm. when, when those are opening up, when people are graduating out of the, and the thing about it is I have people who've been with me since 2014 when I first went online and started doing this mm -hmm. and they're still with me. So those spaces are hard to come by, but yes, yes, I do. And where can where can the audience reach out to see if you are taking um, any clients? Is it on your website? Um, 
Mm-hmm. On my website, on the services page, everything you need to know about it is there. Um, I'd love for people to get my DMs on Instagram. Um, I'm not one of those people who are like, stay on my DMs. I like it there because usually it's about about something I just said and I'm able to reference it and I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, or via email, Nikia at NikiaHomer.com. Okay. And then all of our information will be in the show notes as well. Everything will be linked down there. Mm-hmm you so 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 much i could talk to you forever <laughs> um, i appreciate you just i don't know you're wise you're pleasant and your voice is you have such a soothing voice like i can listen to you forever too so thank <laughs> you thank you i appreciate your time i appreciate you sharing with us and thank you i'm so grateful. thank you for having me and i appreciate the work that you're doing and keep it up we need um more um platforms like this to have discussions that we need to have about doing something other than just being cute and fabulous and queenly Mm -hmm. um all of that is necessary but so is this kind of work so thank you thank you thank you thank you you're welcome thanks again for listening to this episode of the be well sis podcast for more information on anything discussed in this episode please see the show notes and or visit www.bewellsispodcast.com Oh, and don't forget to leave a five-star rating on Apple. Until next time, be well, sis.